0: all right well any one of you can identify with those examples (laughs) well um good afternoon everyone now as you all know with what we just watched you already know what we're going to talk about tonight right (laughs) it's pretty obvious right so so is anyone here just like the one on the skit? <laughs> Raise your hand. Okay, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so based on that video we just watched, you already know that we're gonna talk, be talking about giving. right? well tonight, there's no pot blessed, so I can take my time. <laughs> All right, so, um, we're going to be talking about money, and we're going to be talking about giving. So not just plainly giving, but we will learn tonight on how to give cheerfully, right? Cheerfully, because that was, um, that was Paul's instruction to us, be a cheerful giver. So the title of our Lord's message this afternoon is, it's a matter of giving, right? Um, of course, giving involves money, and money is always an interesting topic. Yep, I don't know why. This is the second time I've been talking about money. Next time Pastor Joe asks me to cover him, I will not ask what the topic will be. <laughs> right? So I hope no one really walks away in the middle of the service, and I hope no one falls asleep intentionally. <laughs> and any violent reactions will be entertained after the service, okay? (laughs) Not in the middle. So, uh, money. How do you see it? How do you see money? Is it your currency? Is it your happiness? Or is it your necessity? Is it your desire? Is it your worry? We do worry with money sometimes, right? Or is it your servant? Or money, perhaps your master? Right? So money is important, and how you see it makes all the difference here in this life and in eternity. So you better have the right view, the right perspective on money. Did you know that Jesus spoke more about money than faith and prayer combined? That's crazy. Right? 11 of his 40 parables were about money or use the money as the way to teach spiritual truths why because Jesus know our tendencies he do right so i'm not going to be standing here tonight and you know because i'm an expert on money not at all sorry to disappoint all right so i'm not here for that and surely i'm not here to teach you on how to become billionaires or millionaires Not at all, right? So I'm here because giving is important, church, and we must all learn to obey God when it comes to giving, right? I want to share these really sad realities in in the evangelical church. Statistics. Only 5% of churchgoers type. And you know there are two hundred and forty-seven million US citizens identifies as Christians. That's according to Share Faith. They surveyed in 2015, and only 1.5 million type. Isn't that crazy? That is totally crazy. Only 13% of evangelical Christian type half give away less than 1% of income annually. That's really sad. So no wonder why we can't afford a building. (laughs) Right? It's been a problem for quite some time. Well, we're not giving. Christians are not obedient. You know, this is not just a problem in our church, but churches across the world face the same dilemma when it comes to tithing. You know, pastors hate to talk about it. And you guys, us, including me, churchgoers hate to hear it. <laughs> right? But praise God, I'm not a pastor as you all know. So I will do my best to knock on your conscience and in your I'm going to do my best best to convict you tonight with God's grace and help. Amen. Right? So tonight we will dig deep into the importance of giving cheerfully. The question is how can we obey God in giving, right? And how can we become cheerful givers? Well, there's nowhere else to best learn this but through the Word of God, through the Bible. Amen? Amen. So let's, before we jump into our points, let's um, pray. And kids, you are dismissed to your Sunday school. I think they're already gone. <laughs> Sorry about that. Not used to this. All right, let's pray. Father God in heaven, Jesus Christ, we praise you for you are a faithful God, for you own everything. And Lord, we just want to lift your name on high for your love endures forever. We praise you for you have given us your son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross for our sake. And I pray now, Lord, that you will be in our midst tonight and that you will speak to all of us And I pray that you will just help me, Lord God, to deliver your message. Use me as your tool. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will just open the hearts and the mind of your people, that they will be ready to receive your message. Lord, I pray for any souls that need to be convicted, convict them. I pray for any souls that needs to be saved, save them. Let this be the night that if there's anyone here that has not surrendered his or her life to you, let this be the night that they will come to know you as his or her Lord and Savior. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. And in your mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. So, okay. Um, This is quite a lengthy message, but we'll get through this. And I hope you don't fall asleep. All right. So, first point. It's a matter of perspective. Giving is a matter of perspective. Right? So, First, what is our perspective? What should be our perspective on giving as Christians, right? What is our perspective on giving as believers of Jesus Christ? You know, one of our study in young adults, if, you do, if, you're, a, if you're a young adult, right, please join us for our young adults ministry. We do fellowship and Bible study every, night, every Monday at 7 p.m. So, tomorrow I'll see you around, okay? All right. So, one of our studies, we learned that the best use of money is giving. Right? Back, this is earlier last year. So, and I totally agree with that study. But I bet you, with our culture today, the world will not teach us that the best use of money is giving. The world will tell you, keep your money, Right. keep on gathering them. So, the world will probably have a vehement Objection into this principle. So, but if we look at the word of God, Jesus Jesus said himself, he was quoted by the apostle Paul in Acts 20, 35. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, you know. So um, Jesus said that. Right? So if you call yourself a Christian, you have to give. Right? If you're a fo- truly a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to obey him in giving. So what should be our perspective? As followers of Christ, you give because you want to honor God. Right? Because giving honors God. Giving honors God. Okay? So why should we honor God in terms of giving? There are many ways to honor God by the way, right? Just like what we did earlier, we sang praises to him. That's one way of honoring God, right? But giving also honors God, right? And he, it is a command from him. So by, but why should we honor God in the context of our money and our finances, our wealth? Right? Well, for the simple reason that God owns everything. In Psalm 24, 1, it reads, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So that means you're alive because of God, right? So everything that is in it, God owns it. So in other words, the entire biosphere that we call earth, this is owned by God. Everything that you and I need need to live is owned by Him. But by the grace of God... We make, he makes it available to you and me. Let's not talk about money and giving right away, okay? I want to cite two examples that we absolutely need to survive from day to day. That apart from it, we'll, we're gonna be dead. Pretty much simple as that. First one is air, and secondly is water. As you all know, if you listen to your teacher in grade school, Air and water, or oxygen, is necessity to life, right? So, would you agree with that? Yeah, you need air and water? Right, good, because we do. Um, Without it, we're not going to be living for a very long time. You know you can survive without food for 30 days and not die, but with water only a few days, you die, right? So air, let's start with air. Air is 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen, and 1% of other stuff, right? So now there's a portion in the atmosphere that is called troposphere. Have you heard of that before? Which is a part that is closest to the surface of the earth, right? And that is where we get the air that we breathe, Okay, so now, according to science, it's been measured that the mass of troposphere is four quadrillion tons. That is a lot of air. Can you imagine? Four quadrillion tons, right? So God owns it all, and yet he allows you and I to avail, to avail into that air. Because he knows that you need it. We need it, right? we benefit from it. So how about water? Water is essential for 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 our survival. Like right now I'm thirsty, right? So my wife's gonna bring that water in just a little bit. Thank you so much. (laughs) Right? So water we need it. Another thing we need is water to survive. Right? So water it's 75% of surface of the earth is water and oceans, and rivers are not the only sources of water on this earth. There are other subterranean sources and so forth. Right? So now, how much water has God provided for you and me? Do you guys have any idea? An estimate that there is there are 326 quintillion, quintillion, okay? Not quadrillion, quintillion gallons of water. How big of a number is that? Right? I don't know. I'm not good with math. I don't know how many zeros are there. But it says in this study that it's 326 plus 18 zeros. That's how big that number is. Right? So that's how much water there is in earth. Right? God owns it all. Yet we avail to it. Isn't that crazy? We benefit of it because he loves you and I, right? So with that being said, we need to be good stewards of what he owns, right? Now, what about money? Is it going to start raining money here? Yeah, let it be. (laughs) No, unfortunately not, guys, right? It's not going to start raining money. So, but this should be our perspective as far as honoring God with our finances, in Deuteronomy 8:18 8, it reads, "But you are to remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you the power to make wealth in order to confirm his covenant which he swore to your father as it is this day." Right? So by extension our ability to produce wealth, your ability to work day in and day out, right? All comes from God, which means that God owns it all, even the money that we say we made, right? It all belongs to him. Everything is his, the earth and all that dwells in it. Therefore, he deserves to be honored. Amen. Are we clear? I hope so. Well, So much of it has really to do with our perspective. So much of this issue has to do also with our own heart when it comes to giving. So how do we honor God by our giving? It's in Proverbs 3, verse 9 to 10. It reads, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over new wines. So I want you guys to notice, it says, honor the Lord, right? Honor the Lord with your wealth." Like I said earlier, there are many ways to honor God. But very specifically here in the Bible, we see this passage, which is supported by many other passages in the Bible, right? And it says, honor the Lord specifically from your wealth. And not just from your wealth, it has to be the first fruit of all your produce, Right? So you must understand that in, in Proverbs time, in Proverbs' time, um, G- God is addressing an agricultural society here. That's why it says produce, right? So when it says that first of all your produce, right here, first of, first fruit of all your produce," which means you have to give your best. That simply means you have to give your best, not the last and not the leftovers, right? Because we love leftovers. (laughs) I'm guilty of it too. And the word honor here means it has to do with weight, right? Because again, this is an agricultural society. It has to do with attributing or ascribing to a person, in this case, God himself, of what is really due of him, right? So in other words, we give our best to the Lord, Right? Just our simple appreciation of who He is, right? So we are commanded to honor the Lord, and you know, immediately following the commands to honor the Lord is an amazing promise that says, "Then your v- barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine." Right? So this is now. This is not saying that you will become millionaires or. You know, we'll have a lot of monies, right? No, this is not it, okay? Not preaching prosperity gospel here, right? So it's not about um, one day millionaire kind of thing, right? This is not pyramiding either, okay? <laughs> so um, maybe, you know, if God really wants you to be millionaire or billionaire, he will allow it, right? Because he made Rich people in the Bible. Solomon was the richest in history, right? So if you become a millionaire, remember me in paradise, okay? <laughs> so, but this one, it really tell, tells us two things, right? Two things. One is that we cannot outgive God. Amen? You will never outgive God. Secondly, God will take care of you, God will take care of us. That's what it really means. This is what it really means. So, we cannot outgive God and we will he will take care of us because when we give, we honor him. He honors our faith. So, with this, with this truth and perspective, it will surely help you and I to give cheerfully. Right? It will. But also, in the Bible, there were times where, where, the, where God's people was dishonoring him, right? And God does not delight on that. And he doesn't take it lightly that we're dishonoring him. So they were dishonoring him because they were bringing him lousy, substantial animal sacrifices to him. So um, in this next passage, the people were dishonoring him because they were being unfaithful to their wives, right? So let's see what happened during the time of the prophet Malachi, right? Here in Malachi chapter 3, God brought up several charges to his people, right? Specifically in Malachi three eight nine, 9, God said himself, Will a man rob God, right? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, In what ways have we robbed you? In tithes and offering. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So that's a really clear warning, right? The word rob here is means to defraud. Right? Now it's almost a rhetorical question, if you really come to think of this passage. Because obviously, who would ever think of robbing God? Right? Will you? Well, I hope we, no one says amen, right? That would, you would never think, I would never think of robbing God. But before anybody could even think that thought, God already said, you have robbed me. That means God already knew, right? And you, and, and you say that the, the, the meaning, the people, it says here that in what ways we have robbed you. And God said, in tithes and offering, right? So very specific. It's very important that we know what is a tithe and what is an offering. So we're gonna go more specific here, right? So what is a tithe? Do you guys know, right? Okay, some of you know. So what is a tithe? A tithe is a tenth, one over ten, right? Ten percent, right? A tenth of their produce. in in an agricultural um, society. In today's context, it's one-tenth of our income from employment, from businesses, or whatever it is that um, you make money of, right? So a type is one-tenth. So personally, I would like to share a little bit of our own experience for me and my wife. Um, Oh, sorry, before that, what is an offering? next one is an offering so offering is is different from a type, okay let's make that clear offering are voluntary gifts voluntary gifts that are given for specific purpose in today's context that what that's what we call designated giving okay such as giving to the missionaries support a missionary giving to a charity or maybe um, supporting missionaries abroad, and whatever it is, it's a designated giving, all right? So, personally, it is my wife and I's conviction based on the word of God that I don't, but, I, you know, I don't want to be legalistic here, um, but this is our personal conviction, okay? A type is a type. Yes, a tithe is a tithe. You know, my wife is really good at reminding me this. Sometimes I really want to violate it, but my wife is really good at reminding me this. So praise God, really. So the whole tithe goes to the Lord, okay? The whole tithe goes to the Lord, to his church, okay? Offering means that it is over and above the tithe, okay? That is our personal practice for me and my wife. We really give does that mean we are perfect and we really don't miss? No, right? I struggle with it too, right? But again, not to be legalistic, I want to show you the basis of what it is, what it is that we believe in practice. So um, for me, you know, I really praise God for our pastor that really talks about tithing and offering because, mind you, a lot of pastors don't want to talk about it because they don't want to offend anybody. But when God commands, the people are expected to obey. Amen? Amen. Right? So does that mean that um, tithing is a walk in the park? No. (laughs) Certainly not. So, So we don't have much, but I do believe that God honors our faith and God honors obedience. So personally, that's my conviction. And... Again, it's all about perspective, you know. And here, if we look again, um, God offers a solution here. God offers a solution in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, right? It says that, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and test me now on this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be a room enough to receive. Is that clear? Right? So notice the passage here that says bring, right? Where is it? Bring. Okay? I want you guys to notice that. So God didn't say give. Is that clear? God didn't say give, but it says Bring. Why is that? It is because the tithe belongs to the Lord. It is holy unto Him. It is set apart for Him. Right? It is set apart for Him. Yes, it's true that God owns everything, but the tithe is a representation of what we are to set aside. Okay? To honor Him, to acknowledge that everything belongs to Him. So that is why it says, bring. We are not giving, but bringing the tithe into the storehouse, okay? The truth is that God does not need food. God doesn't need food, okay? God does not need our money, right? But guys, we have to look at at tithing this way. It is a privilege for you and I to give and to bring him honor, to bring the tithe into the storehouse, okay? Now, And it also says there, test me now in this. You know, nowhere else in the Bible that says test me now in this. Actually, the Bible said, do not bring God to test, right? But with the exception of Malachi 3.10. He really says that when you obey, when you obey, He blesses you, right? So, earlier I said that the tithe really belongs to the Lord, right? So, eventually... We see this in the Mosaic Law, in Leviticus twenty-seven thirty, and it reads: "And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord." If you read the highlighted area, of the highlight, highlighted text, it is a shortcut. All the tithe is the Lord's. Okay, it's really, really clever. So. It is holy. What does that mean? It is holy meaning that it is set apart, just like how God described himself. He is holy. He is set apart. There's no blemish on him, right? So now, did the whole idea of tithing, specifically giving in general, begin with Mosaic law when, received, when Moses received the law from the God? Did it begin with Mosaic law? The truth is no, actually not. Right? We actually see certain instances that a tenth was given even before the law was given to Moses. Okay? And, and that tells us that it's really about perspective in your heart when it comes to giving. You know, I just want to share this quick two instances where um, a, a character in the Bible gave a tenth to God. And this is before the Mosaic law. Okay. First was Abram, Abram before he became Abraham, okay? Abram, he was, um, he was traveling, and he was rescuing his, his nephew. Is he nephew? Yeah, nephew Lot, who is a troublemaker, by the way, right? So, and then, as he traveled, he accumulated this massive, um, massive wealth along the way. And along the way, Abraham, Abram met a person, Melchizedek, okay, Melchizedek. You can research it later on, okay, because Melchizedek is really an interesting and really mysterious person, all right? And Abram recognized Melchizedek as holy, as, um, as a de- deity, right? And, and because of that, Abram gave a tenth of all that he had accumulated, okay? So... Many Bible scholars and commentators regard him, Melchizedek, as a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Some even go as far as saying that he is the pre-incarnate Jesus who appeared before Abram. So the most important thing here is that Abram honored God with his wealth, okay, and by giving a tenth of his wealth. A few chapters later... There's another incident, and this is in the life of Jacob, right? Jacob, as you all know, was the robber, right? Grabber. So he's a troublemaker too. But later on in his life, he developed a personal relationship with God. And in Genesis 28, J- Jacob confessed, of all that you gave me, referring to God, I will surely give a tent to you, right? So... To cheerfully give, for us to really obey God in giving, one must have the right perspective, right? Amen? Amen. It's all about perspective. Now, I want you to tell your neighbor, wake up and have the right perspective. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, that leads us to our second point. Our second point tonight is, it's a matter of the heart, right? Well, the question now is that, do you have the right heart? Do you? Well, I hope you do, right? Respectfully, there are many who believe that giving, specifically tithing, no longer applies today. That's why that's everyone's excuse. Oh, that doesn't apply. It's a mosaic law, you know? I'll give whatever my heart desires, but that's not true, Right? There are those who believe that tithing is just an Old Testament thing. For the New Testament, including the age that we live, live in today, it no longer applies. That's what they want. That's what others say. Well, since it has nothing to do with salvation, right? Giving has nothing to do with just salvation. And I don't want to be legalistic here, right? So it is not to die for, right? It is not to die for. So however, however... I truly believe, along with a lot of other Christian commentators and even scholars, um, I truly believe that tithing still applies today. Right? Because again, it's a matter of perspective first, and then before it is a matter of practice. Right? So a right perspective leads you to a right heart. Okay? It leads you to a right heart. So let me give you one reason why I believe tithing is relevant today. Okay. Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees here, and he told them in Matthew twenty three twenty three, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others, right? That's very clear. So listen carefully here to what Jesus has to say. He said that there are the, these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. He didn't say you should have done these things, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And then ah, forget about hiding. He didn't say that, right? He said these are the things you should have done Without neglecting the others. Okay? Specifically, he's taking, he's talking about tithing here. On this particular passage. You really thought you got away with it, huh? (laughs) So, no. It applies today. So, that being said, that Jesus really raised the bar. The standard. Right? So... He raised the standard. So how many of you in this room brush your teeth? Raise your hand. Oh, my goodness. Some people don't brush. <laughs> Raise your hand if you brush your teeth. All right, good, good, good. Guess. All right, I want to share two, um, two characters, two examples of committed Christ followers in history. Right? These people really believe in honoring God by giving particularly by giving particularly in terms of tithing okay some of you might think tithing is only for people with a lot of money right but that's not true church i want you i want to assure you that tithing is for everyone so i want to give you two examples of people who began tithing began practicing tithing at the time of their life that is still very humble, right? And, uh, and their capacity to give was very limited. So I asked you earlier, how many of you um, in this room brush your teeth? So most of us, all of us should be, brush your, <laughs> brush your teeth, right? So why did I ask this question? Because I want to tell you about William Colgate. Hi, can I buy Colgate? Close up, <laughs> right? Back in the Philippines. Can I buy Colgate? Close up. <laughs> all right, it's a brand. Colgate is a really known brand, right? So William Colgate here, this guy, really good looking guy, all right? William Colgate. So William Colgate was not a wealthy person, at least not at the start. Okay. So when he was 16 years old, he needed a job. So he is a simple guy, just like you and me. Right? So he went, traveled to New York, got on a boat. And then, because he wanted to make soap, right? So, but while he was on the boat, apparently the captain of the boat and him got into a conversation, and the captain learned that he wanted to go to New York to find a job to make soap. And then the captain told him, young man, young man, you need to remember that, all the, that in all the soap, soaps that you make, it comes from God. And you need to honor him. And you start honoring God by giving him a tithe of all that you make. You know, Colgate never forgot about that incident with the captain. And so he started tithing. And then he went from 10% and up to half of his income as God blessed him. Isn't that amazing? So we should do the same. Colgate is just like you and me, you know. Another example we have is John D. Rockefeller Sr. Right. So, um, John D. Rockefeller he started to work when he was a young boy because he really needed to support his mother, and his first wage was a dollar and fifty cents. Isn't that crazy? Can you buy something with a dollar and fifty cents today? I don't think so, right? <laughs> maybe a candy, right? So he brought his first wage to his mom because he was supporting her, right? And then the mother, I really believe that she's a believer, and he is, right? Um, the mother told him with his first wage, uh, as, he, as, he, as he gave it to his, to his mom, his mother looked at the money, and she said, son, you need to give the Lord a tenth of what you make. Years later, John Rockefeller said, If I had not, taught, if I had not been taught the, um, on how, the how and why of tithing, if I had not tithed the first dollar I made, I would not have tithed the first million dollars I made. Tell your readers to train the children to tithe, And they will grow up to be faithful stewards of the Lord. So if you have kids, train them early. All right? So so it's very important. It's very important. Again, it's not about becoming millionaires here. It's not really about becoming millionaires. Um, Tithing is about perspective, which leads us to having the right heart to give. Right? Bottom line here is our heart. Now let's look at what Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9 6 to 7. I agree that um, tight is not in this, the word tight is not in this passage, right? But again, it's an issue of the heart. Okay? So in 2 Corinthians 9 6 to 7, it reads, Now this I say, he who saws Sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Right? Here's another perspective for us here. That he who sows sparingly will reap uh, sparingly, and he who gives bountifully will reap bountifully. Right, it's a very common sense. So, a farmer sowing seed, right? A farmer sowing seed may feel he loses seed as it falls from his hand to the ground, and we may feel we are losing money when we give, right? But just as the farmer gives the seed in, in anticipation of a future harvest, so we should give with the same heart right because no farmer plants and not expecting harvest right that would be stupid so here it also says that as he purposes in his heart so giving should be motivated by the purpose of our own heart it should never be coerced that means it's never coerced or manipulated so we should give because we want to give and because god has put it in our own heart so again Right perspective result in a right heart, all right? So with the right view of God, with the right view of money, our heart will align with God's purpose, okay? This can also be said in the sense that our giving reveals the purpose of our own heart, right? If we say we love the Lord more than shopping, right, but spend all our money on shopping and do not give, as we should have to the Lord, that it only shows that the way we spend our money shows the purpose of your heart, right? The way you spend your money shows the purpose of your heart. And Jesus said it simply, for where your treasure is, your heart will be there also, right? For God loves a cheerful giver. So does that mean that, again, giving is a walk in the park? certainly not because if it's that simple we don't have to talk about giving today really right so this leads us to our last point as we have the right perspective it gives us the right heart it results in reaping the reward okay giving reaps reward right you all been waiting for for this for this um for this section, right? It's about reaping reward, harvest. Mm. Give it, reaping rewards, I know. You know, we can talk about reaping rewards all day. Everyone loves rewards. Lord, I don't have to give. Just give. Just reward me, Lord. <laughs> Amen. Right? So we can never, again, we can never outgive God. And our be- our obedience, He rewards it. Right? In Luke chapter 3, in Luke, in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running and running over, for by your standard of measures, it will be measured you in return. Okay? So with this um, context here, I I had really a hard time of like... Uh, Understanding this, you know, gib will be shaken to you because it has something to do with grain and like in a piece of cloth and then it's shaked together so that all the air spaces will be gone, right? But I I was researching and and I thought about um, the cheese bread in the Philippines, but since we're in America, it's really difficult because not everyone gets that. You know, in the Philippines, we buy cheese bread and there's barely a cheese in that bread, <laughs> really. So for the purpose that we are in the United States, we're gonna talk about PB&J sandwich, okay, for illustration. So, you know, when God is to make peanut butter and jelly sandwich, if God will make a peanut, be- peanut butter and jelly sandwich, he will lay it on thick, right? He will lay it on thick on that bread. And when he puts both bread together, you can see the peanut butter and the jelly around the edges of the bread. Can you, just imagine it, okay? Imagine it. Them peanut butter and the jelly oozing, right? Right? So, Amen. <laughs> amen. Are you hungry, Anmu? <laughs> right? So, um, and then, and then, as you bite into that peanut butter and jelly, it starts oozing. The peanut butter and jelly oozes on the side. It goes into your finger, right? And then you lick them. Mmm, so good. Are you hungry? Right? Sorry, no pot blessed. <laughs> right? So um, that's how I think of it and how God rewards us, right? He does not withhold, right? And when you, uh, and then, so that means that give and it will be given back to you. Good measures pressed down and shaken together, all right? So in Second Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance of every good deed. So God is able to really make all grace abound towards us when we obey. So as we give, we must be persuaded that God is able to reward you, right? He will meet your needs even if you're having a hard time giving, right? So just as God is able to make the sowing of the seed abound to a great harvest, so God is also able to bless our giving, right? But remember that God's blessing is not always material things, okay? It's not always material things. In rewarding our giving, God does it with all grace, right? So our giving is rewarded in many different ways. It could be material things, but most importantly, it's spiritually, right? So materially, God may bless our giving by promotions, more money, more wealth, right? If you're a good steward. So, but through through spiritually... It could be more because of joy, right? You know, in the the Bible, um, if you track down the meaning of bless, it has to do with being content, right? It has to do with being content. So um, with that being said, contentment is one thing that we will really reap from giving, right? Contentment. So with this contentment, we can be the richest people in the world, right? We can be the richest people in the world. You know that a man might have the wealth of the richest man in the world, yet lack contentment, right? But if we have this contentment, it really doesn't make us better off than the wealthiest people who don't have it, right? You will be a better person than someone who is rich that doesn't have contentment. Okay, so um, I'd like to close, pretty much we're wrapping up now, right? But I'd like to close with this poem or a song. I think it's a hymn. And the title of the hymn is He Giveth More Grace by Annie J. Flint, right? So... um, I'd like, um, you know, do you guys know Annie J. Flint? So, probably not. I didn't know her until today, or no, yesterday, (laughs) right? Annie J. Flint has a very difficult life, Her body was ravaged and disfigured by rheumatoid arthritis. You know, it's really, it makes your fingers like this because of the, it's a self-inflammatory disease, right? So, and of course, in such a state, if you're in her position, one of your concerns will be provision, right? And how am I going to make a living if I'm so sickly and stuff like that? So, but in one of many, many songs and poems that she wrote, this is what she said. This is what she said. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting, availing the Father both thee and thy load will upbear. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and he giveth and he giveth giveth again. So why you and I should honor God through giving? It is because God is a giving God. right? God is a giving God. So I want you to tell your neighbor, God is a giving God. God, a giving God. God, a giving God. And how do we know that God is a giving God? Because here, John 3.16, and you all know it. You should memorize this. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Isn't that amazing? He gave. You think you can outgive God? No, because He already gave the best and the most precious gift you could ever have with an immeasurable eternal value. You know, earlier we learned that God gave us the power or the ability to produce wealth, right? Remember that verse? So, but there is one power and one ability that you and I will never ever have, right? There is one power that you and I will never ever have. And that is the power and the ability to save ourselves. You will never ever be able to save yourself. You might think that you can, but you're fooling yourself. But you will never be able to save yourself. Right? The power and the ability to earn our way to heaven, you will never be able to earn that. Right? So that, my friend, church, you and I never have to really earn it. Because Jesus has already done it. Right? He died for you and I. And he rose again. There is nothing else on this earth that you could have more important that you can ever have. That's the most important gift that you could ever have. Right? Because the truth is that we are spiritually bankrupt. And we are in a deep moral deficit, you and I, right? So that's why, that, that's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ. He gave Jesus, right? So if you are here this afternoon, and if you really haven't, if you have not made that decision to make Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let this be the day that you really receive that gift of eternal life. Let this be the day. Don't wait for tomorrow, because tomorrow is never promised. Amen? Amen? So let us bow our heads and let's pray. Father God in heaven, Jesus, we praise you. We thank you for this wonderful day you have given us. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us that we have to obey you in terms of giving, and we have to honor you. Lord, help us to have the right perspective with our wealth. Help us to always remember that we have to honor you. Help us to have the right heart. Lord, help us to be obedient in your command. And Lord, we thank you for you have given your Son, Jesus Christ, For us so we will have life with you in heaven Lord Jesus we thank you for your faithfulness we thank you Lord God for your good and your mighty Lord if there's anyone here tonight that has not received you as his or her Lord and Savior I pray that you will touch that person's heart Lord and Lord God we just want to praise you for everything Lord, let, let this, what, what we learned here tonight, Lord God, please don't let it just pass us by, but help us, Lord God, to really cherish it and to really obey what you have commanded us to do. Thank you, Lord. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Um, let's all stand.